You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the MJ Sportscast Super Bowl Week Edition here. My name is Mike Tang. I am joined by Jerry Yang. Jerry, how are you doing today, man? Doing good. Um, you know, another week. Excited for Super Bowl. Going to be kind of sad when football takes a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I always look forward to Sundays. It was kind of weird last week without it, you know, with no real football. And we can get into it later, but the Pro Bowl is such a joke, you know. <laughs> Pro Bowl is not not football to me. Um, I don't know if you saw any of um, the clips, um, but you know, I saw the skills challenge. That's that was actually kind of fun. The Thursday skill challenge. I recommend anyone to kind of check that out because that was like a pretty, you know, casual thing. Um, they had like target practice. Uh, mm. Russell Wilson did really well. They ended it with dodgeball. And I thought that was really fun. You know, like some of the true athletes actually came out, right? Like a guy like Mark Andrews, like there's a reason why he's a pro. <laughs> you can excel at any sport. Um, so, but yeah, the game itself though, low effort. I think they need to do something about the pro ball because that was not real football there. Yeah, I think the NFL, they're trying to balance having an all-star game with the pro Bowl. And trying to not get the players hurt, right, before mm-hmm. the real offseason begins. And I think that's the dilemma that they're facing, right? And I, I remember the Pro Bowl being a little bit more competitive, at least like in the 90s and early 2000s here. But mm-hmm. as we see it, there's like, you know, no one wants to run hard. No one really wants to run um, routes in the offensive side um, here. So um, it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely something that NFL needs to keep an eye on. Right. But who's watching these games? Right. Like no one's really watching them either. So that's yeah, my I think the best. It. I think the best all star um, game in any sport is baseball, um, not because of the home advantage. I think they took that away. Right. Team no longer wins home advantage. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really go soft on the pitch or on the hit. You know, like <laughs> people are playing like they usually play baseball. Maybe they're not stealing bases as hard or whatever it is, but I think it's the most enjoyable all-star game to watch out of all the sports. Because even basketball is kind of a all-offense, no-defense type of game, which is similar to what you said about risk and getting hurt, right? Um, So I'm thinking maybe football should just change it to flag football or something or some type of – or not even do a game, right? (laughs) Like maybe think of another creative way of – you know, honoring these guys without having a game involved, you know, so. Would you, do you think it would lessen that, I guess, the viewability of the game if they change it to two-hand touch or putting two flags on each hip, you know, like. Well, well, that's what it is, right? That's what they did this time. It was two-hand touch, you know, so that's why you saw kind of low effort. <laughs> no one was getting tackled, but I think they should just do the flag thing, you know, at least that changes it a little bit and you know alignment and stuff can still get blocked and all that stuff but it's um but it's basically at this point flag football (laughs) when you move on to two-hand touch right yeah definitely so we can we can touch back on that um there but let's kind of talk about the big news of the week and that's Mm -hmm. um mcdaniel's offensive coordinator run game coordinator for the niners getting the head coaching job for the Miami Dolphins here. Um, were you surprised that McDaniels actually got this position? Uh, because there were some pretty decent candidates, you know, out there um, here. So kind of want to get your take on the on the hire. No, I think uh, I was expecting him to get hired once uh, Anthony Lynn got hired. Um, hmm. I felt like the Niners were prepared to do without Mike McDaniels. Especially, I think it was getting close to him, you know, flying out to uh, Florida for a second interview, you know. And I think the only competition he had 
was really the Cowboys offensive coordinator, um, Kellen Moore. Right? I think Kellen Moore was the only guy that was also interviewing for the position. Yeah, I think uh, Mike McDaniels proved that he can he can be an offensive coordinator. And he's part of that same coaching tree with McVay and Kyle Shanahan and uh, Matt LaFleur, right? I think um, those guys were all in Washington together. And, you know, I think McDaniels was the only one that followed Shanahan to the Falcons as well. And has always stuck with Kyle. And, you know, I don't blame the guy. I think congratulations to him for – getting this position if you i think it's always been his dream to lead a head coaching job and i think it's a pretty good position for for the dolphins right to have someone that's more offensive focused and can help um to uh, develop so and i think jalen waddle could be a guy that can develop into like a Debo type of character right or type of receiver and so I think there was a lot of positives on why they went with Mike McDaniels, and I think it was a good hire by them. Yeah, I'm curious uh, which coaches he will bring with him to the Dolphins staff. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that fans should really be concerned about um, there in the next coming weeks because we kind of saw Robert Sala bring a couple guys over um, here, but it didn't really make that much of an impact, you know, the next the next season or two. But I'm very curious to see what McDaniels does. Well, what players as well, right? And I think as long as you have Kyle Shanahan, though, I feel like it's kind of the rock, you know, that's going to solidify um, the offensive end. And then you have the Marco Ryan, who was committed to staying with the Niners. So I think he's going to hold down the defensive side of things. And um, one of the things I was actually surprised by um, was that our special team coach, um, Tim Hightower, got picked up by the Bears, right? And I think that was a huge uh, hire, but mm-hmm. for the positive, I think, for the Niners, because uh, the special teams was the weakness, I thought, especially from a coaching perspective. And I, I think the Bears maybe just saw the playoffs and near the end of the season where – you know, we did really well with the Packers and the rest of the playoffs. Maybe based off of that, it was enough for them to hire him. But I was a little bit surprised by that. I mean, what do you think about that hire? <laughs> it's kind of weird to see um, coaches move to another team as a lateral move, right? Yeah. Um, usually they're not allowed to go to another team unless it's a promotion. So it kind of goes to show what the Niners really think of Hightower, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, here, um, and it could have been for other reasons too. Maybe he wanted to be in the other side of the country, um, in Chicago too. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't really know, right? Because it's not a really high touted position, right? Being a special teams guy. So um, good for him because it would have been a more difficult conversation if High Tower was fired, and then Shanahan would have to kind of explain that. So I'm kind of glad that High Tower got to leave on his own terms and go to the bears and we can kind of start fresh with another new coach in that area. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys I wanted to um, replace him was actually rich Bisaccia. Um He yeah. was the interim coach for the Raiders. Right. And I think he got the Raiders special team to become like, I think the seventh overall ranked um, special teams coach. So, for him, I think he was a, he would have been a good addition with us, but the Packers ended up hiring him, right? And the Packers have worse special teams than us. <laughs> I think they were, like, last in the league to end the season, uh, while Niners are the 27th, which is not great either. So I think Rich would have been a, a big upgrade. But I guess for now, you know, we'll see who steps in that position. And whoever it is, I, I hope they'll do better than Hightower so. Yeah, you know, kind of going back to the McDaniels um, signing with the Dolphins, what's great about it was that it gives the Niners uh, two third-round draft selections, right, Um, Mm -hmm. for compensation under the Rooney rule. Um, So that's pretty cool. I didn't even really know that McDaniels was a full – or I didn't even know he was really a minority, you know. but that's. (laughs) I think most people weren't, right? I think that was kind of a controversial point because – I saw a lot of people floating around on Twitter saying, you know, is he really a biracial uh, minority? I think it was, it came from his dad's side, I think, but 
you know, it wasn't completely clear, but I think that was actually a controversial point online, at least. A lot of people weren't convinced that he was a true biracial hire, you know, so, um, but, you know, it's, he says he is, <laughs> you know, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he isn't, but it was just an interesting point, right? And yeah, I think it was good that we get two third round picks. Um, we got it for Robert Sala as well, as well as, um, I think the GM, one of the coaching staffs became a GM for another team. So we got a compulsory pick there. Uh, I think we traded one of those picks to get Trey Lance, right? I think that was part of the package was one of the third round picks. So, um, yeah, Niners are looking good overall this season um, in terms of drafting, actually. We have nine picks in the draft. Um, that was a lot more than, you know, <laughs> I think we anticipated going into the season and we never really do well top of the draft anyways. So I think this getting late round picks was actually pretty beneficial overall. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. another thing to keep in mind, the Niners could also package a pick or two and, and move up in the draft too, if they really like a player. Yeah. Although with their history, I'm not sure if I want them drafting in the first two rounds. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're, one more, we might get more picks because of Jimmy G as well, right? So I think that's also an X factor. And um, a lot of talks are saying that it could be a second round pick mainly because um, the senior bowl happened and none of the quarterbacks were impressive. None of them really stood out. And so I think that increases his value in terms of um, people wanting to trade for a quarterback rather than, you know, than actually drafting one. I think behind Russell Wilson, potentially Aaron Rodgers um, being traded. I think Jimmy G is the third guy, you know, on top of that QB ranking that are up for trades. Yeah. Do you think if Trey Lance stayed another year and he was entering the draft this year, do you think he'll be the number one ranked quarterback? Easily. I think easily. Easily. Even Mac Jones, who – was drafted pretty late. I think he would have been easily, you know, like the first overall pick. <laughs> so yeah. it's, um, yeah. So I think, uh, I think the Niners did well by trading up actually. Now that you think about it from that perspective. And I think next year as well is there isn't um, a clear cut number one quarterback as well, you know? So mortgaging, I guess these two, first round picks for this year and next year as well as that third round pick um i think it went to pretty well in getting a quarterback that in a quarterback hot year right so yeah can you imagine if we didn't draft the quarterback last year as good you know as solid as trey lances or what his mm. potential may be and we have jimmy garoppolo in this situation right i don't know if 49er fans want to keep garoppolo for another season <laughs> and have whoever backups we have right now and try to sign someone in the off season. So I think we're in a much better position drafting Lance and giving up those draft picks as opposed to keeping them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And then I think another X factor is, um, let me see. <laughs> Sorry. I lost my train of thought there, but I think another X factor is also, you know, looking at the other quarterbacks that year, um, you know, Mac Jones was actually a decent option as well, right? Because he he made the pro ball. Um, so it was kind of win-win between Lance and Mac Jones in some ways. And I think what we have to consider is now we have Anthony Lynn. A lot of rumors are coming up that maybe Tyrod Taylor becomes a backup for the Niners, right? And I think he might be a really good veteran backup, right? That if we need to plug in for, you know, one or two games, he, he should be okay. So we'll, we'll have to see if that works out, but but wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I'm curious: Is Tyra Taylor is he looking to be a starter in this league though? And he even gave when it he up, becomes though, a backup, right? is he? I think he might be looking at minimum five million a year, maybe seven million there. And I don't even know if the Niners want to spend five million on a backup quarterback. Maybe you know that's that's my reasoning behind it. It's going to be very tough to justify. Yeah, I mean, he was with the Texans. Um, you know, obviously, Davis Mills kind of took over that position, right? So I, he's definitely not going back with the Texans. Yeah, I think he only signed a one-year contract anyways. So we'll see how it goes. But 
I guess my question to you is, what do you think? Do you think a veteran quarterback's better, or do you think we should try to draft maybe another guy? My perspective is I feel like a veteran's better because I don't really trust any of the quarterbacks in the draft, you know? But it'll be interesting to see if we can trade maybe for a younger guy um, as part of the trade with with uh, for Jimmy G. Well, what if that veteran player is someone like Brian Hoyer, who's not going to cost a whole lot, right? But you know his potential is really capped or his skill set's really capped at this point. Would you take a guy like Brian Hoyer to be your backup, or would you rather have a rookie quarterback uh, be your backup here trying to learn the ropes? I mean, he kind of knows the system a little bit, right? Because he was part of the Niners before. (laughs) So he has a familiar name, I guess, but... You know, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I think it's just you just need a guy who can help you prep, right? So a guy like Hoyer might be okay as well. You know, like yeah. think of him as almost like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Um, the thing is, I feel like in terms of like player type, Trey Lance and Hoyer are pretty different quarterbacks. Whereas I think Tyrod Taylor, the way he plays. The style he plays is similar to how they're going to play Lance, you know. So I guess we'll find out, you know. I think that trade with um, for Jimmy G is going to kind of reveal some of this stuff. So, Yeah, I think we're going to get some pretty decent draft picks for Jimmy here. Um, probably going to look into like the third round, fourth round picks this year. Maybe a um, – maybe like a second round pick the following year or something, you know, that's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I really don't know who's going to bid for Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, but there are a lot of teams who need, who need QPs. Do you think we should keep Jimmy G? Do I want to keep him? I don't yeah. want to keep him at 25 million. If he <laughs> wants to come back for like five to 7 million, I think it's pretty good here but we need that 25 million dollars just because what we talked about last week there's Debo Samuel there's Nick Bosa and we have a whole bunch of free agents that we have to sign here so we really need that we need additional cap space would you think uh if he restructures contract though is that someone you will want to keep or you think that bridge has sailed at this point I'm leaning towards the latter but I think these are some questions that are being asked on social media right and on sports radio a lot of people are talking about keeping them but yeah i I think that bridge has definitely passed (laughs) i think the writing has been on the wall for the whole season already and jimmy wants to get paid he wants to get paid a long-term contract he wants to get paid at least the amount that he's paying being paid now at 25 million dollars a year and he wants to be the number one guy and there are just too many teams out there that need a guy like jimmy Mm garoppolo so I think he's. I think he's going to go to another team. He's going to be a QB one somewhere, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, good luck to him. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and yeah, I and I think the press conference that he gave at the end of um, the end of the season was kind of a farewell or goodbye already, right? So I think he's mentally prepared. I think the team was mentally prepared as well. So. I think keeping him would almost overstay his welcome a little bit, <laughs> you know. So, so I think at this point, it's probably better to move on. Yeah, let's kind of talk about some um, other news in the NFL here. Some unfortunate stuff, actually, um, during the Pro Bowl weekend. You know, Alvin Kamara, star running back, um, allegedly assaulted a man in a nightclub in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Um supposedly breaking this guy's orbital socket and something like this, you're facing multiple years, you know, jail time here. Does this situation just remind you kind of like the Ray Rice situation um, several years ago where this stuff happened to Ray Rice? His career was just never the same after that um, here. And when it happened, I didn't even know the details, you know, of the assault, but when it happened, my first instinct is this guy's career is over just because of what history has presented itself. But did you, do you think it's over or do you think he'll be back in a league playing again next season? 
kind of hard to say because um, I think one of the things that was damning for Ray Price is that there was a video that came out of the assault, and I think there's videos that came out for Alvin Kamara as well. Yeah. Um, basically, I think what I read is the guy called one of his uh, entourage or friend or whatever uh, in his crew called him ugly, right? And then I guess there was a shoving match, and then a bunch of people jumped up basically at a club at 5.50 p.m. You know, it was like during like almost a daytime there. <laughs> so this wasn't even like a late night bender, you know, and this was like the night before the actual Pro Bowl, um, which is wild because he actually played in that Pro Bowl and they arrested them right after the game. <laughs> so, so that's that's uh, not, not a great look, right? So I think it really depends on what they do here, um, mainly because I think the difference, I think, with the Ray Rice situation was that was more of like a domestic dispute. So there's a lot more emotions and a lot more complexity, whereas this is like kind of a stranger right, out in the wild everywhere. So in my opinion, what would happen is they'll probably settle out of court. The league would probably suspend them a few games or maybe the whole season, depending on how this legal stuff pans out. But I think he'll be back. You know, that's that's why I think I don't think it's gonna I think it's gonna make it go away basically by settling. So yeah, just when I think of like star players who have taken a year off due to various reasons, holding out because of a contract or because of legal stuff like this, I think of guys like Le'Veon Bell, I think of guys like Antonio Brown, um here, Ray Rice. These guys, you know, sat down for at least a year or in a year and a half, they, they come back, they're just not the same player anymore. Um, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because they lost their skills um, or what, but they're just not the same. And that's why I think it's going to happen mm. to Kamara when it does happen. Yeah, I mean, it has to do with age as well, but I guess Kamara is going to be 27, right? Which is kind of near what, like the end of your peak of your career at this point. And I think maybe stuff like this is why, you know, Sean Payton decided to take a year off. You know, it's kind of stressful dealing with player personnel issues. Um, and, you know, like, I just, I just don't know why people get in this, this situation. You know, that's the part that's always mind-boggling to me. Um, but it is what it is, I guess. It's part, unfortunately, part of the league, so... Yeah, we didn't hear about this stuff happening in Hawaii when the Pro Bowl was over there. It kind of questions the fact that, okay, if you're going to put players in Vegas, you know, for that team, you know, how much are they at risk for screwing up the careers and, and also destroying other people as well? So Yeah, I guess a counter-argument to that is if they had a game in Florida or – New Orleans, um, stuff like this could still happen, right? Because there's like nightclubs there as well. Um, maybe Hawaii, <laughs> there's less nightclubs, but you know, um, who knows? It could, I think it could, I think it's not really the location that's the issue. I think it's more mm -hmm. of the player and the educating the player and preventing things like this from happening. I think that's a bigger concern, in my opinion. So, yeah, but I also think the environment plays a big factor. You can't control a player 24 7 um here and yeah. there's just so much temptation and vegas there's just so much going on every day it's not like um you have party on a friday saturday and then it's over right it's time to get <laughs> back to work you know there's stuff going on sunday monday tuesday night um there that and that's what happened to henry ruggs too i think that incident happened on the weekday early in the week right on a monday or tuesday um afternoon so it's just a lot of things the NFL has to consider, and I, I'm sure they have considered it, but it's definitely haven't started off on the right foot um, having games in Vegas so far. Yeah, definitely. And I think it makes me wonder if like that's a consideration for some of the agents on letting players be signed with Vegas, right? If there's any restrictions even during the regular season. You know, like given the temptation that you talked about and how the clubs and and casinos and stuff don't close there. You know, I think that's the biggest difference of other locations is there's no no curfew there, really. 
you know, so. So we talked about how this past weekend we didn't have any football or anything like that. I think we kind of got a glimpse of um, that period where there's going to be no sports, right? With no basketball, with no Warriors playing um, this past weekend too. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be any spring training or baseball um, here. So there's no, and there's also no updates really on how the lockout is going to end because it looks like it's been stalled. Um, yeah. Here. Do you think uh, they're going to have spring training in the next month or two, or do you think that this is going to be pushed even further into the year? I mean, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report Monday, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the latest update is the league didn't counteroffer, but they asked for like a federal mitigator, like a third party to come in to kind of mitigate, mediate rather, mediate the players' union and the league's um, you know, bargaining, but the players' union has to agree to that, right? Like the, the league can't just say, hey, do this and third party come in. The players' union rejected that offer. And after that, you're not meeting, you know? So um, if they're not talking and there's no counter offering, then, you know, it, it's going to threaten what you said. Um, and maybe your estimate of March is when they get done is pretty accurate because I think we're still trending towards that direction, right? So we'll see. But it doesn't look like uh, spring training is happening. Yeah, I mean, I think we're occupied as fans because we have basketball and we have football at the moment here. So it's not really that big of a concern. As long as they start the season, as long as they start the season and they they keep the games, I'm fine with it on there. It becomes a problem when it gets into, I don't know, May or June and they still haven't um, settled anything. Um, But at the moment, it's fine. Just let it be. Um, but we'll definitely monitor it. What I was really kind of curious is why were these meetings so short? If it, it felt like they had like 90 minute meetings and then they just stopped talking for the rest of the week or something. It's well, like, one of the meetings you... was four hours. Though. Okay. I but I think most of it was like around nine, 60 to 90 minutes. And then that was it. You know, I would think like if you're really serious about these negotiations, you know, people would be sitting down at the table for, for three four hours trying to trying to figure it out but i guess i guess it doesn't work that way when it comes to these type of labor talks no i guess not i mean the first meeting was only seven minutes right that was the initial thing and you know who knows how these things work you know it's like all all negotiation tactic at this point so hopefully they work things out but it's kind of boring about baseball because I think during this time is actually when you find out a lot of free agents, a lot of trades and a lot of movement among the teams. And it was kind of happening for the giants. We had a few players move back and forth and then all of a sudden it was just like a, a e-break that got hit and all of a sudden stalled abruptly. I felt like, you know, it's very fortunate that the giants signed their starting pitchers at the time mm-hmm. they did and why Dace Clafani took that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time mm-hmm. as well, because he just didn't want to have a, he didn't want to have no contract at this time. Right. Yeah. He could have got more, I think, but he just decided to settle with the giants offer. I think it was a pretty fair offer that he got, um, there, but there's a lot of players just dangling on the sidelines right now, wondering, you know, what's going to happen, you know, are they going to keep the season? It's a very stressful time for a lot of free agents. Yeah, it spoke, I think it spoke volumes for the Giants for getting that um, contract done as well. Yeah. Right? They could have easily waited on it and maybe, you know, talked them down a little bit on on having that contract. But I think they did them a favor in a lot of ways, and it was kind of reciprocated by having a pretty fair deal. So, so it was good. Yeah, let's move on to the NBA. Warriors are rolling right now. Um, it seems like they just keep on winning without Draymond. Um, they have the young guys playing pretty well. Kaminga has stepped in. Uh, he's, we've seen some flashes. He showed his athleticism. Moody's coming out of the G League, and he's playing pretty well, you know, for his age as well um, here. But Draymond Green, he becomes, uh, he becomes an all-star reserve here, although he hasn't played that many games. Do you think Draymond Green can become Defensive Player of the Year 
this year. <laughs> what? Is there actually talks about that? I mean, he's yeah, so much time. There are talks about it because crazy. Draymond is looking forward to coming back this season, playing maybe 50 games total and winning mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year award. Could happen. I mean, if he can't come back and the Warriors stay on top of the division, right, at the conference, I guess, in the West. Yeah, and yeah, I, I so I can see it happening, you know. But I think the key is him coming back, right? I think the last time he did an interview, he said he's feeling no pain now, and he's getting, um, just trying to get back in the shape because he was nursing that injury for a while, and and it sounds like there's no surgery required, and he's just, you know, trying to get back in shape. So I think we could we see him actually after maybe even before the All Star break potentially. Um, which is a great sign, and he, you know, he, he lights it up. And I think he's one of the most underappreciated defensive guys, and maybe this year is where he's kind of getting his due. And you know, him getting the All Star Reserve um, recognition kind of speaks to that. Right? That I think a lot of people in the league and fans are appreciating it. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that's good. And I think we have a special guest that are joining our show right now. Let me bring him in. We'll circle back to NFL and come back to the Warriors. So we have Ryan Sacomado. Hey, Ryan, what's Ryan. going on? How you guys doing? <laughs> long time no see, long time no talk. How you guys been, man? How you been, oh. man? We've been uh, uh, you know, holding down the floor on our end here. so <laughs> That's good. Um, no, I've been busy. You know, personal training, of course, takes up all my time around this time because all the ladies and the fellas want to get in shape for whatever it is they want to get in shape for. <clears throat> Wedding season's here. I don't know. A lot of people getting um, married, so they want to get in shape. And so that's mm. what I've been kind of allocating my time more toward the personal training side rather than the, the NFL side, but then still keeping on top of that. And then... Of course, Bay Area rooted, and so it's just my life is never. Um, how do I say this? It's never a tra- easy transition of a nine to five. You know, I always say if you're not willing to work a nine to five, be willing to hustle twenty four seven. And so, uh, literally, as you were texting me earlier today, and I was like, "Dude, I got a client up until two thirty. What happened was my client, obviously, thirty minutes late. So she's like, "Oh, I'm running late." I'm like. Well, fuck my life, bro. Like, I got to be on with Jerry and freaking Tang, bro. Um, And so, like, I was like, I, saw, I literally told I was like, hey, man, like, I, I, I really got to get going. I didn't want to be mean, but I was like, okay, let's superset this. And she was, like, gassed after, like, the first 15 minutes anyways. Um, and she's, Well, thank uh, you for making time for coming on our show, though, you know. <laughs> rushed home, had to get my oatmeal in and my meals in. Um, cause obviously I'm prepping for a show as well. So yeah, I look like sh- crap. So I apologize for, um, <laughs> no worries. for looking so dead. No worries. No worries. Well, thank you for making time for coming on our show. Um, just want to get your thoughts on, you know, maybe not Niner related stuff, but we can also talk Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think the main topic for everyone's mind right now is your thoughts on McDaniels leaving and Anthony Lynn coming in. So what do you think about the transition here? I think it was dumb to get rid of Brian Flores in the first place. No one wants to talk about this, but I think to a lesser extent, and and you guys know I keep it 100. Everyone knows in the NFL media I keep it 100. I don't give a crap. It's a race war. It is racism. There's a lot of racism that no one wants to talk about. Now, for people to tread lightning and be like, oh, no, it's not not about – I don't know what the problem – no, bullshit. It's a freaking race war. Like, mm-hmm. it's black versus white. It, like, I, I don't mean to say... like I'm not saying all the owners are like that, but let's be honest. When you have owners that, that put out racial stuff against Asians, all right? When you have owners that that say things that are racist and then go back on their statements, you can't backtrack from that, bro. And I think that's why people gravitate toward me because I'm one of the few, and I know it's all about protecting the shield, but hey, you got to protect... And do what's right at the end of the day. And if standing for what you believe in, what Brian Flores is doing, let's face it, he blackballed himself. He's not going to get another job in the NFL. Right. But what he did was so courageous. And that's going to set the platform for what we see now. Roger Goodell saying, oh, yeah, you know, we have to change up the Rooney rule. No crap. That should have been changed like how many years ago, bro? Get rid of it, right? It's only a matter because Brian Flores spoke up 
and all this stuff came out, which I'm pretty sure who knows what's going to happen. These are allegations. So I'm not going to assume anything, but let's just put it this way. It's, I don't think it's by coincidence that that stuff is happening really quickly here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. Like, I don't know what's going on, but that if I had to take a guess, a wild guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Rooney rule has always been the worst kept secret, right? Where people are looking at it as a check mark more than actually what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to create some diversity in hiring. But at this point, people already decide who they want and they're just interviewing uh, you know, a minority just to check off a box, I feel like. So, yeah, I think it is racist. I think they should get rid of it, you know? And it has weird complications. Like, me and Mike were just talking about Mike McDaniels and how we're getting compulsory picks, but then is he really biracial or not? And that shouldn't be a discussion you have, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be like, is he good for the league or not good for the league? Is he the best guy? And, and the race shouldn't even be discussed. And the reason why it's being discussed is because of the Rooney rule. So in some ways, I think it's creating an opposite effect where you're trying to make this diversity and racial divide get um, softened. Instead, I think you're actually solidifying it a little bit more by having a, a rule like this. And I think that's why a lot of affirmative action laws don't work out. Right, it's because of stuff like this, and that's why they got rid of it in college, and they got rid of it in you know other aspects. And I think the league is just late to the game on this one. Either they're late to the game, or they're protecting the owners. Because let's face it, Roger Goodell works for the owners. Let's not get it twisted. And so it's the owner's responsibility. Because we can't choose. Like I bay rooted, right? You can't tell me who to hire. I can hire who the hell I want to hire. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be an alien for all I care. I can hire whoever the hell I want. How are you going to tell an owner who they can and can't hire? And then how can you say, well, it's because he's black or because he's white that you hire that that candidate? You can't say that because that would be assuming things. And then when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. But putting it in perspective, 70% of the NFL is black, is African-American. Mm-hmm. How many minority owners are there that are black in the NFL? None. All right. Mm-hmm. And so... When you take that a step further, and I always talk about peeling back layers of the onion to get to the core, let's go ahead and talk about the root of the problem. It's the owner. It's an owner problem. It's not an NFL problem. It's an owner problem. And how 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 can we? I think we're asking, you know, what's going on, but I think we need to ask why. Like, how how can we make this better, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can we improve on our past behavior to form a better tomorrow? How do we do that? And I think that's kind of like, okay, well, you have to sit down at the table. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be your opinion against mine. Yeah. I mean, how can you police something like that? Like if someone's Asian, right? And that's, we're all Asian here. And let's say you, let's say hypothetically you wanted to own a new NFL franchise. Would you get it because, or would you have a higher chances of getting it because you're a minority now? Because, or were you the best candidate for being that minority owner? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's just like, there's too many different variables that we have to discuss. And I think it's a problem because at the end of the day, who's to say who I can and can't hire. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. You know, and we'll see how that plays out, but yeah, more power to Flores and being brave to bring that up. You know? So I think that was a good thing that he did for the league and kind of the self-sacrifice. So um, I guess shifting gears now, I'm talking about, you know, Jimmy G and him, there's a lot of talks on talk radio of him actually staying with the Niners, which me and Mike talked about earlier saying that's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. But so question for you, Beast, is what do you think his value is? What team do you think he might get to? And what do you think the Niners will get in return? Well, Jimmy G is definitely going to go to an ideal situation. I think the relationship that he built over the four years that he was in San Francisco and because he had one foot out the door, I think this is already the plan in place was, hey, look, you know, this is your last year, of course, the last dance. And whatever happens, we're going to move you. Now, I think it's in the 49ers best interest to move him to a, a team where he's going to feel comfortable and be able to somewhat at least shine because they kind of kind of threw him out the door like this <laughs> one foot. That's kind of effed up, bro. Like, I know it's a business, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's still I mean, he was still winning. You know, and, and I, I, yeah. I feel like people who say a win-loss record is not a quarterback stat are the same exact people who are saying, well, 
Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 against the 49ers in the playoffs. That's a quarterback stat. So you're contradicting yourself. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, yeah. you're, you're walking the fine line on the fence. Pick a side, bro. And you can't go, oh, Aaron Rodgers 0-4. Oh, but Niners had a best defense and they had a, uh, a strong rushing attack. So that that's why they won. Hey, he's a game manager. At the end of the day, he's the starting quarterback. So I think the, the landing spots to your second part of the question, I think Pittsburgh Steelers would be an ideal situation. Uh, simply because they don't, I don't think they believe. And what I'm hearing is they don't believe in any one quarterback in this rookie draft class. Kenny Pickett's not the answer. Malik Willis isn't the answer. Dwayne Haskins, who they already have, isn't the answer. Mason Rudolph is not the answer. So with a new GM in place and Lewis Riddick might get the GM job, we don't know what's going to happen there. But Kevin Colbert's in there for at least until the draft is over. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers would be an ideal situation simply because they have Najee Harris there. So you're saved by the running game. They're solidifying the offensive line with Dan Moore. You also have interior guards and interior centers there um, that they drafted over the past few years, right? So mm-hmm. you have guys there like Kendrick Green, who I just talked about, Dan Moore. You have um, the Raging Cajun, um, Kevin Dotson, a fourth-round pick, and he's a nice find there for them. The right side needs to get some fine tooling there, but then you can bring in some guys there. And I think when you have that in place and you – Double down on those games with Pat Fryermuth, who could be his security blanket like George Kittle yeah, was. Kittle. Yep. And then you look at the trio of wide receivers they have and Chase Claypool, second-round pick out of Notre Dame. And you have Deontay Johnson, who's a 1,000-yard receiver, right, coming out of the MAC. And then you double down on that with guys that you can possibly bring in through free agency. You have a good, formidable offense that you can work with and surround yourself with Jimmy G for him to be successful, backed up by a strong defense. So... That's an ideal situation. I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Awesome, man. That's a great analysis there. And, you know, you did mention the draft, and I know it's kind of a quarterback week class. Um, but who do you think is a good fit for the Niners at this point? And who do you think, maybe not specific person, but what position do you think is of need? And, you know, I know we have nine picks, actually, for this draft. A lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is there any... You know, early previews and give us on the draft in terms of the Niners? Yeah, I think they're going to trade up in the first round. I think they're going to oh, try. Wow. Yeah, I think that's GM John Lynch's MO. They're going to try to make a move and trade up in the tail in the first round. If they can swing a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo, if they can swing some kind of extra draft capital and they feel like they need to solidify some of these positions, mainly the offensive line. Lincoln Tomlinson's mm-hmm. a free agent. We all know what's going to go on with him. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey is going to be entering the last year of his contract, right? So he's going to be someone that you have to look into for the foreseeable future. Alex Mack, yeah, he had an okay year, but was it a really a Pro Bowl year? Even though he was playing in the Pro Bowl, I don't think so. And so you have to solidify the offensive line. And then more importantly, you look at the cornerbacks, right? So you look at the cornerback in that secondary. I'm not high on Ambry Thomas. You guys know how I feel about him. But... I think that secondary really needs some fine tooling because, as you know, in the defensive backfield, you have Joukowsky Tart back there, but there's no question that he might not return. And then you look at other guys on that offense. For me, I always was a firm believer in taking the best player available because when you reach for need, it diminishes the value of the pick, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked about this, right? It's like Mm -hmm. it's quality over quantity, right? I rather have quality football players who fit my cultural identity and personnel rather than reaching for a player and hoping that we can gel him into someone that we think he might be based on the ceiling. And so you look at this draft, the cornerback draft class is not the strongest. It's it's very, it's very top heavy. When you look at the needs, what they have on the offensive line, it's not very strong in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so if you're John Lynch, you're going to have a guy with a gold helmet on your draft board you're going to want to do whatever you can to get that guy because there's a lot of heat from him starting Trey Lance. And you don't think that Kyle Shanahan's going to be like, okay, we know what we have with Trey Lance, but let's get this guy more help. And it all starts with the offensive line because we have use check. We have Kittle. So we're going to use a lot of 21 personnel anyways. And we have Ayuk and Debo Samuel. So we don't need a wide receiver because there's only so many balls that you can throw and so many targets within a certain range in any given ball game, depending on who you face. And so it all starts with the offensive line. I think that's the, the first and foremost thing that they need to address. And I think they will find that guy maybe in the tail end of the first round or if they stay pat in the second. But that's where I yeah, see no, them going. I agree with you because I think, um, you know, you sp- speak about the cornerbacks, but they drafted two last year. And if 
he drafts more this year, he's almost admitting that he made a mistake in those positions. And I don't see him doing that, right? Yeah. So I do agree with you there. And I do agree with you on the drafting for – don't draft for need and draft that's available. I felt like the Bengals did that with Jamar Chase. And look at them now, right? They're in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. So um, I guess speaking of the Super Bowl, do you have any predictions for the Super Bowl? Would you like – and? You know, give us the pros and cons, I guess. Yeah, I got it. We all know. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying all the the offensive line for the Bengals is not looking great, and the Rams are obviously the favorites here, but the X factor is Joe Burrow, right? So who do you have? I went on the, you know, Relevant app, and I'm working with Relevant with Randy Cross. As you know, we have a pregame show, and then now I'm working with Sean Salisbury, Greg McManus, Mm -hmm. and and Glenn Mm -hmm. Parker, NFC Championship Super Bowl guys, right? And so we talked about this last week, and they asked me, they, what's your prediction, Beast? And I said, you know what? Like, I honestly think the Rams are going to win. And I look at it from a business perspective. I mean, the NFL is a business. Let's not sugarcoat it. There's weird crap that happens, like bad beats. We all know how this works. We've all been there before. We all texted each other, like, how the hell did this happen? Like, what the yeah. hell, bro? What <laughs> the hell? My parlay got fucked. But. Let's face it, the Rams are a team in dire need of morale hope. And what I mean by that is they don't have a freaking fan base. How embarrassing is it to go to an NFC Championship game to hit up Ticketmaster, who, by the way, the founder is a Psy, Jerry Nelson, um, who I met and, and became good friends with. But how, how funny is it that they tried to block ticket sales because they were afraid that the red and gold would shine through? And then, and then the next day on that Monday, took it down. We all saw what happened. There's our sea of red, and then the Niners lost. How embarrassing would it be to do it all over again, this time the Super Bowl, and still not have home field advantage in the city that you're playing for? Isn't that a bad look for the NFL to know that you're hosting the Super Bowl and you're still the visiting team? That's embarrassing. That is a slap in everyone's face, and and. Let's face it, LA is a big market, but they don't have a big market in terms of loyalty when it comes to the NFL fans. It's all about the San Francisco 49ers and it's still all about the Raiders because they were there for many years. Yeah. There yeah. is no Chargers fans. There is no Rams fans. Truth be told, they were looking for beat writers. The Rams were because who wanted to cover the Rams? I'm not throwing shade. I'm just keeping it 100. And how do I know about that? Well, because I know. Did they, they hit you looking- up for that? <laughs> oh, did they hit you up, man? Or <laughs> but, you want to move down to LA? Or what's going on, man? <laughs> well, I'm still, I'm still here, right? No. Um, <laughs> but you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, let's uh, staying on topic here. They don't have a fan base, and it, it's very sad. So, with that being said, I, I think the Rams are going to win. Like I said, it's a business in the day. I think they want to see the Rams win. I think the NFL wants the Rams. No, that's kind of being what you call it. What do you call it? It's a, not a theory, but Bias it's kind of uh, conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is obese riders saying that the Rams. But look, I think the Rams are going to win just because of the better team, though. Right. When you look at it across the board, they have Odell Beckham Jr. They have Cooper Cup on the outside. No one can stop them. Yeah. And it all starts with their passing attack to open up the running game, not the other way around. And they're just built to rush the passer. But the Bengals like to do they like to throw the throw the football around the only chance the Bengals have a chance and I think it's going to be a close game I think it's going to be a 27-24 ball game I think it's going to come to a last second field goal as we sit here and talk today I think the Bengals will cover the spread at four and a half I do think the Rams are going to win though and and I say that because this provides a bad matchup for the Cincinnati Bengals simply because I don't care how many offensive weapons you have you can have Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. Mir Jamar Chase, and that's going to be one matchup to watch all game long, all day strong. But then you take that, again, peeling back layers of the onion to get to the core. Who's going to stop Aaron Donald? I mean, the offensive line that you touched on for the Bengals is horrible. They're yeah. horrible. It, it's, 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 it's not very good. And then you have Leonard Floyd and you have Von Miller. These guys can rush the passer. You have a lot of speed with Ashawn Robinson coming into his own, having 16 tackles in the postseason play. Gaines is now getting his as a nose tackle. I mean, you just run a bare front. You can stop Joe Mixon and make the team one-dimensional. But at the end of the day, I see it's a, a game of uh, checkers here, right? I think, Or a game of chess, I should say. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see the Bengals be one-dimensional and still move the ball down the field because of the mm-hmm. offensive threats. And that's why I think it's going to be a close ball game at the end. 
27-24, though, the Rams. Who do you guys got? Nice, nice. Well, we're, we're going to save our picks till the end of the Oh, so you have me oh. say it. <laughs> we, we like your picks, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much, Beats, for calling in and giving your time for us. So, um, yeah. Uh, anything else, Mike, you want to ask Beats before we do farewell for him? No, I mean, uh, besides the Pittsburgh Steelers, where mm-hmm. else do you think Jimmy Garoppolo would want to go to here? I think with the Niners standpoint, they would want to ship him to the AFC, right? So I've heard like rumors that maybe they want to ship him um, to the NFC in Washington, for example. Or That's Houston, right? Or Houston. Houston. But I don't think any of those teams are as talented as the Steelers. But is there the another Saints, dark horse there, team? Think, you, is there yeah. another dark horse team that you think the Niners will ship him to? I, this is not one that people talk about, but it's one that I'm kind of starting to hear. Yeah, and and I I had to do the due diligence to kind of pop up the question to to my sources here. I think the Indianapolis Colts are are an example, and I say really? that because DeForest Buckner has ties to Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and Quentin Nelson has ties to right tackle Mike McGlinchey, and Mike McGlinchey has ties to Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you're connecting the dots. And I had to do the research on it and talk to people. I wouldn't be surprised if GM Chris Ballard pulled the trigger on Jimmy Garoppolo. Because wow. let's face it, Carson Wentz, is he the answer? I don't know. But Jimmy Garoppolo, you know what you're getting with Jimmy Garoppolo. You're getting a game manager. But at the end of the day, he's not going to throw 17, 18 interceptions in a season either. So when you have a jo- Jonathan Taylor rushing the ball for 2,000 yards, I mean, that's 75% of your offense right there. So Jim yeah, Garoppolo Jim, doesn't have to do anything. We could be we we could play quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts and do okay. Yeah, they they have one of the best offensive lines, and I think Jim Irsay never committed to Carson Wentz at that uh, season end press conference he gave out too. So that you might be on to something. That's I like that. That's a good dark hopefully. Horse hopefully, I'm on to something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Fees, for joining the show and. You know, everyone should check out his YouTube channel, The Beast Writer, and follow him on Twitter um, down there. So thanks a lot, Beast. Thank you for having me on, guys. You guys have a good one, all right? Thanks, you too. Ryan. All right, take yeah, it easy. Thanks, all right, that was The Beast Writer. You know, surprise visit there. I think a lot of his analysis was spot on. I think that Colts, uh, you know, pick was actually quite interesting. I never really thought about it, but it makes sense if he has all the connections there. Yeah, it does there, but... I think uh, the one barrier is Carson Wentz and how they would have to move his contract, right? So they first have to give up draft picks to get Jimmy Garoppolo, and then they have to find a suitor for Carson Wentz at the same time. So that's going to be very challenging um, here, just because Carson Wentz didn't have the best season um, Mm. here too. So there's not a lot of suitors for him, um, but it would be an ideal situation, right? Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo is really great at handing the ball off, right? He's, he's just great at like limiting turnovers at, in terms of like that ball exchange. So, you know, Beast has some, I think he has something cooking there in terms of the Colts, but I yeah, do like I'm, the Steelers I'm, as yeah. a destination point. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I was looking at the Carson Rentz's contract. He's due $28 million in terms of the cap hit. But if you cut him, it's a $15 million cap hit instead. So it's a dead cap of 15 mil. But after that, um, after next year, though, he's not guaranteed any money, actually. So I think there is some possibility where he could be traded first to another team for one year. Um, the team gives it a chance. Maybe they you know, absorb half of that dead cap money, right? So they you know, put in seven, 7.5 mil to get rid of them essentially and then restructure Jimmy G's contract to, you know, kind of have one year where they make up for that 7.5 million and then back in to a multi-year contract. So I think it can work. Um, The the problem, I think what you pointed out is who's going to want Carson Wentz. I think, I think the league does need a lot of quarterbacks, but He's probably lower on the priority list, I think. I, I think a lot of ways, I mean, the Colts probably thinking this as well, is that they'd rather have Jimmy G over Carson Wentz, you know? So it's, it's yeah, it's a tough one. But maybe, like you said, Washington is new quarterback. Houston, right? Even though Davis Mills is there, I think he still needs more time to develop. The Saints need a quarterback. Tampa needs a quarterback. Steelers need a quarterback. 
heck, the Panthers need a quarterback, right? So you have a very uh, quarterback demand is there um, with very few supply. You know, you you have the player, then you have the advantage here. So so we'll see how it develops, but let's let's keep our eye out for that one. Yeah, let's talk about our Super Bowl picks of the week here. Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, that's our only pick for the week is Super Bowl because, you know, the Warriors don't play tonight. They play tomorrow and the Lions aren't out yet. And let's see. So the Rams are favored, minus four, um, versus the Bengals. The over-under is 49. Um, Mike, who do you have? I thought about this quite a lot here. I know the Rams are pretty talented on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to be able to score at least three touchdowns. But I also just really like that star appeal Joe Burrow has right now. Even though Ryan has mentioned that their offensive line is suffering. Um, But I'm going to pick the Bengals in this one here just because I think Stafford is going to make some mistakes. And I think he's going to throw a couple interceptions um, here. And the, the lights might be just a little bit too bright for, for Maddie Stafford. And I just think the Burl, I, th- I just think the Bengals will be able to go up and down the field and score um, here. So I'm going to pick 30 to 27 Bengals. I think it's going to be a field by a field goal um, here. And Matt Stafford is going to throw an interception in the last few possessions to secure the victory for the Bengals here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty emotional win in some ways for the Rams to beat the Niners. And in some ways, that was their Super Bowl, right? Because it yeah. was a team that they could never get past. Um, and yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Bengals too. I think Bengals are underestimated. I think the obvious pick is the Rams here. And you know, Vegas don't set those lines for the obvious, right? <laughs> so a lot of times they, they're they going to adjust the line or move the line a lot, but I'm not seeing that much line movement. It's moving between minus three and a half, minus four and a half, um, and four. So that's why I picked four for our, our picks. But if there's so much, you know, picks or so much money that's on the Rams, you would think it would move the line at least one and a half points and didn't which tells me that Bengals have a better shot than most people are giving them credit for. So I think the safe pick here really actually is Bengals plus four, right? So I'll go with Bengals plus four. And the over-under, I agree with you, it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Though I wouldn't be surprised as low-scoring. Super Bowl tends to be low-scoring because both teams are, you know, the bright lights, like you said, and the nerves gets, comes out and it favors the defense a little bit more. And I think both teams have a pretty strong defense. I think that's one thing I underestimate. A lot of people talk about the Bengals' strong offense and their, you know, weapons on offense. They actually have a really strong defense as well. Like one of the top defenses in the league. I think yeah. that's going to really keep them in this game. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, I would go with, I'll still go with the over, um, mainly because of those offensive weapons on both sides. And I look I look forward to this game. I think it's going to be similar to almost to the Niners game in a lot of ways where it's going to be really tight and the team with the last possession is probably going to win the game. So so do you pick what, – what's your final score? What do you think the final score will be? Ah, yeah. This one's tough, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably like 27-3-ish. So, yeah, around there. So 30 to 27, right? Similar to what I predicted. Similar to your, maybe, maybe exactly what you predicted. <laughs> but yeah, 27-30 yeah, is what I'm thinking. Um, so, okay. Yeah. All on. right. Well, that concludes this week's episode here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for Ryan Sakamoto uh, for coming on to our show and, and talking about some of the football topics um, here. Anything yeah, else sure. you wanted to add? Yeah, make sure everyone subscribes to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, we're on Twitch as well. And make sure you sign up for uh, Beast Rider on YouTube. The guy has a lot of analysis. I call him to that show from time to time as well. So you can kind of hear from me whenever I do call him to that show (laughs) too. So, but yeah, um, 
All right. Have fun in the Super Bowl. All right, guys. See you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.